Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 172 of A Play on Nerds. I'm one of your hosts, Jarman. I'm the other host, Steve, and we're going to co-host the shit out of this. That's right, and this week we are doing our second attempt of Nerd Roll of Fortune for our main segment later on, which we can now explain is basically where we have a chat GPT that has randomly made prompts for us to talk about, and we're going to roll the dice live on the air to see what we talk about and discuss it for you on the spot so you'll know before we do one two topics maybe three we're gonna see how it goes see how it goes exactly i was thinking we could roll we could roll a d4 at the beginning oh oh see how many we talk about i see that's true or we feel it out and see just how much we cover how much time i just want to feel it out baby oh yeah (laughs) before that what have you been up to oh well what have i been up to um i did a fun thing which was feel like royalty and did a catering taste test for our caterer with my lovely mm-hmm. fiance. And it was with this place called Hammered Lamb here in Orlando. And where they're doing the catering for our weddings. So we have to do the taste test of everything we're planning out for the menu to see if we liked all of it. And it was all delicious. Uh, the only thing we had a trouble deciding what to do about was they gave us a choice of two kinds of potatoes. One was uh, a truffle mashed potatoes. And the other one was more like a standard roasted potato, like the, the quarter, you know, red potato quartered and roasted. And mm-hmm. I was, the truffle mashed potatoes were wonderful, but it's a very strong taste. And then you have the quartered uh, roasted potatoes, which is generally everybody will be okay with them. They'll be fine. More people would ha- would be fine with them, but they're more boring. So we're like, oh, what do we decide between? So, Steve, what is your opinion? <laughs> um, I mean, here's the thing. What you need to gauge out is if you think this place uses real truffle. Mm-hmm. If you think this place uses real truffle, it's absolutely worth it for the truffle potatoes. People will remember them. People will sing about them. Well, we can lie and say if they this did. This does not seem like the kind of place that would have real truffle. People are going to taste it. People are going to know it's fake. Hmm. So it depends on what you think of this venue. All I know is it tasted delicious. I wouldn't know the difference between real truffle and not, I guess. I, just, I don't know if I've had it enough times. There's tons and tons of artificial truffle oils and flavorings and stuff that are basically made by like perfumists. Interesting. Effectively. Real truffle stuff is considerably more rare because it's considerably more expensive. Well, I'm going to assume then that it's not the real thing because – but to me, it just tastes like it was super garlicky, which I love. Um, but I know it's not for everybody. So we'd be opening it up I to would say go with I would say go with the potatoes. With, well, the regular potatoes? The regular potatoes. If you're feeding the crowd, I say go regular potatoes, especially if you're not certain. If you were telling me like, oh, this place is so nice, of course they use fresh truffles. I'd say, oh, my God. But they tasted delicious. So would it matter for real know, truffles yeah, or but not? You don't know. But how you know? You you don't know how good they could taste. <laughs> well, they could. But here's a, here's my other thing. If not everybody likes the truffle mashed potatoes, we also do have a mac and cheese bar to be your other well, starch. Then, then I would say then even less you need the mashed potatoes then. I guess so. Because you already have like a mushy starch. Mm, a mushy the, starch. The roast potatoes could be like a, a, a hard starch. Interesting thing to think about. It's possible. 
play well, with I, textures. I enjoy your opinion on that. I'll ask more people and stuff what they think. And also the only other thing is uh, the Fringe Festival here in Orlando. It's one of the biggest in the United States. Um, has started up again. And I had a show in it last year, which I'm sure I taught people listen to the show I've heard about. But this year I'm just relaxing since the wedding's so close. We're going to see a few shows, hang out at the beer tent and food trucks and have a good time. So it's, it's a, it lasts about two weeks. We kind of come and go. It's not too far away from our house, so it's real easy access and it's a good time. So what have you been up to, Steve? We're just further getting settled in here. Um, we got our card like fully taken care of now. We got the license registered. We got the we got the license plates. We got the inspection done today. Oh, what's the new car you got again? Oh, so then and then additionally, we got a new car. That's just our old car. Oh, your old car. Gotcha. Gotcha. Old car is finally all done. We have our licenses. We're all done. And then because we were like, good, it's finally over with. Uh, we went ahead. And we bought a new car that arrives on Saturday. Woo. Uh, man, so there's so the pin, you know, there, we're in a weird time for used cars right now because the used car market is going through the roof. And really what I think is fueling it is the fact that you have all these pandemic vehicles, mm. because what we saw across the board are these like four five, six year old vehicles with incredibly low mileage. That makes sense. And yes, the price was higher, cheaper than new, certainly, but higher. But you have all these vehicles that people bought and then didn't drive for two years. Yeah. For like two or three years. Uh, so we're getting a 2019 Nissan Rogue. Nice. Which is a year younger than our current car. What color is I like it? Gray. I like the gray. Nice. What we don't know, the only thing I can't tell from the pictures is that Nissan Rogues have like different suspension packages. Mm. And I like the lower ones, the lower profile suspension packages. I think it makes the vehicle look sleeker, but I can't tell ah. which one we have. So I can get like a big tall one. And you'll feel all masculine and above everyone. Yeah, be like, oh, yeah, look at, looking down at you. I'm going to spit outside of my truck and then apologize. <laughs> oh, manly, manly Nissan Rogue. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we got that. So that's coming on Saturday. Very you nice. Know, it's getting delivered. We ordered via Carvana. Very, I heard a lot about Carvana. That'll expand your uh, uh, freedom with both of you being able to go somewhere at different times and not having to borrow people's cars. And that'll be nice. Well, that's the thing. We've been using my dad's car literally since we got here. And I'm just to the point where, like, I can't. I don't want to, like, I just, I need to know. Plus, like, his car's old. Makes me a little nervous. Yeah. One of the doors, the sensor's loose. So, when you're driving, if you lean against the door at all, it thinks the door is open. Oh, no. And you just start <laughs> screaming at you. Somebody takes, like, a nice gentle turn and just goes, whirr, whirr, whirr. <laughs> My annoying thing is I put anything in the passenger seat next to me. Like, it'd be so light. It'll think someone's sitting there and doesn't have their seatbelt on. <laughs> There's a human so here. So it goes, bing, bing, bing. I'm like, There's no one sitting there. It's a, it's a bottle of water. <laughs> like, stop it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I feel your pain a little bit there. All uh, right. Does that take us to some, get more into the groove. some nerdy yeah. news here then? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if that was I was yet. waiting for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for Nerdy News. Well, ladies and gentlemen, giant yellow, black, and blue spiders called Joro are invading the southeastern U.S. Scientists wanted to find out how these deadly and aggressive, these terrible beasts are. And they found out that the Joro are the gentlest, nicest of all the spiders that have ever existed. They're the teddy bears of the spider community. (laughs) Uh, Researchers observed 450 specimens over 12 species 
including the Joro, and expose them, expose them to a brief, um, disturbing but harmless stimuli. So in most cases, it was either a puff of air or a loud noise. Okay. And measured how quickly they started becoming reactionary if they got aggressive. And while most spiders, some spiders got aggressive, spiders recovered in under a minute and were moving and, and re- re-engaging in hunting and building their web. But the poor Juro, on average, <laughs> sat still for an hour <laughs> just before moving again. Just that was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. I'm going to die here on this web. <laughs> um, so the poor Juro, while invasive and scary looking, generally just scared. Oh, well, that's nice. It's sad yeah. that they were so humiliated. <laughs> but these things look like monsters. I'm not going to lie. Oh, they gosh. look like monsters. I would smash them with one of Anna's shoes. I wouldn't use one of mine. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> Anna's not pleased with this explanation. I can look this up now. So it's called a Joro. J-O-R-O. Spider. I'm glad I'm not terrified of spiders. They're just I don't like them, but I'm not like a phobia. Oh, that is a that is a thing and a half. That was like something from Australia. <laughs> yeah, dude. They only like attack if they're absolutely cornered. And even then, most of them, their size, their two, their fangs are too small to pierce human skin. Oh, that's like a lot of spiders. Yeah, they can't even get through. Our but skin. they're huge. They have these huge bodies and legs, but they don't have little tiny teeth. Oh, it's cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, he is a puppy dog and scared for his life. Well, I'm just disappointed, Steve, because you had no funny name for that news story. Uh, <laughs> it's called Ah Shit a Web. <laughs> Shut away up. <laughs> All right, that brings us to our main segment, the nerd yeah. roll of fortune. Roll of fortune. Yeah. yeah there it is, baby. <laughs> uh, is this the really the theme? For now. <laughs> oh, we're gonna, uh, no, I meant, is that really the theme of of uh, Wheel of Fortune? No, no, it's just a... It's a oh, ro- good. It's just free? It's a very royalty-free song I found on the oh, internet. Oh, no, good. Then that's the new theme then. Oh, good. For a second, I was like, wait, are we going to get in trouble for this? We are not. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So which one do we roll first? I can't remember. Uh, we first we roll the main category, and then we find the subcategory. So we roll right. d20 first. Um, roll you got to roll last time, so I'm going to roll my d Oh, do you d20. have your dice? I okay, do. Roll, roll your dice. You can roll the second one. Okay, I got a 19. I have not looked at the thing yet. And I have a 2. Okay, then. 19 and 2. 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Can we turn 10, the music? 11, 12, 13, 14, 16, 17, 18, 19. Okay, music's coming off. All right, there we go. Oh, thank God. <laughs> it must be louder on your end than it is on mine. All right, so I did put in some things that Steve and I are also just interested in. Um, so we got theater. Um, okay. And number two is playwriting and script analysis. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to make this interesting for our audience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so, yeah, let's talk about theater stuff. So did you take any, like, script writing or playwriting analysis kind of classes? Or well, was since, it just stuff you picked up as you performed? Well, a little bit of both. But I actually, since I was a film major, I did take a screenwriting class. So definitely a little okay. different than playwriting. But some of the same you know, aspects of structure of a story and the beats and where things happen. Um, I always say the most interesting thing I learned in that class that stuck with me for so long is the 17 minute rule for films. And okay. for most, almost every movie, they're a little different nowadays, but especially go back in time in the eighties, 
If you watch the 17 minute mark, that's almost exactly where the hook of the story happens. So that's when suddenly he finds out that his wife dies. He has to go on his revenge thing or um, the kid falls into the never ever land or whatever. You know, it happens always at 17 minutes. Bam, the movie's off and running. Um, It's really funny how it's almost exact. A lot of especially like 90 minute films. It's almost always that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, we studied right. we actually are kind of out of the era of 90 minute film. Exactly. And we, we studied uh, Rocky, the original Rocky for a perfect example of script structure. It's like Sylvester Stallone basically picked up a screenwriting book and just followed it to the T. Um, so that's like the perfect answer to like how to do a, a, a regular script. And then you deviate from there. But did you take playwriting as well? I did. I Well, I, I think, yes, I took a playwriting class where we at the end were supposed to write like a one act and a lot of people got did way too much. Uh, and then I did an independent study okay. where it was just me right basically over the course, the, the course of a quarter writing a one act meeting with my advisor basically once a week to go over like my progression. And then there was a final thing with all of his advisees. Well, that's kind of high pressure. <laughs> kind of, but actually it made for, this was during like my super easy senior quarter where I didn't really, I basically had done a lot of work and I was like, yep, time to lay back and reap it in. <laughs> That's always nice, especially senior year. Yeah, man. Um, and that was part of it. Cause like basically as long as I wrote a few pages every week, had something to show, had something to revise, then it was done. Nice. Are you, are you proud of what you wrote? Um, for that one? No, it was some angsty, like college teenagey kind of thing. It just was, it was what I knew. And like, that's the thing. It was always like, write what you know. And right. what did I know at the time? Angsty, dumb college teenage stuff. <laughs> that's, that's true. So that's what I wrote. Um, I did write another one that was about um, getting in, like wrestling with getting engaged, mm-hmm. which once again, like you write what you knew. And it was actually the main character was based off Owen but he was working as a bathroom attendant in New York City. This is our model friend who lived in New York. Yes. Working as a model. Definitely not a bathroom attendant. No, 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 no. <laughs> that's no, funny. No, but like, that's how I portrayed him. <laughs> him deciding whether he was going to have a patron coming in, deciding if they were going to propose to his girlfriend or not. And then him dropping the ring down the sink. And so it's them struggling to get the ring out of the sink, all while having this discussion about getting engaged. Well, that's a fun setting for that. That's We're right. Physical circumstance, beginning, middle, end. You know when it's the story's progressing because of the physical actions. Right. Based the secondary theme around it, like very classic, like playwriting, script writing kind of stuff. Well, that's kind uh, of what I did. The, the, oh, go for it. And the other one I wrote that I am very proud of that I actually got to see performed Ooh, nice. uh, was, I can't, I wish I could remember the name of it, but the, the whole premise was, it was like Dracula living with Renfield in a crummy modern New York apartment. <laughs> well, right. What you know. <laughs> right, right. And it was just like a bunch of phrenology jokes and <laughs> just really, like, like just terrible vampire shtick. Um, hmm. And then another senior for whatever reason, asked if she could do it for her senior project. As a performance piece. As a performance. So I got to then see this thing performed. <laughs> Did it go off well? It went off pretty well. <laughs> As it goes into um, amateur a theater production could. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got to do that for screenwriting a couple of times when I wrote some films for school. Um, but they were real short, like five minutes because we were using real film at the time and it was so expensive. So they only had us do like five minute, 10 minute films and like literally the hand crank black and white, you know, film for our first project. 
Um, you need to get it, pay for it to get it exposed. It's ridiculous. And nobody does that right. anymore in college. No. Um, but then I got to write that play last year. Basically, I wrote down more of a big structure to the play. Uh, these two guys going to wait for the premiere of Wonder Woman 3 to meet Gal Gadot. It's based kind of like off loosely of Waiting for Godot, the the theater play. And my first time ever writing a script for like uh, for theater. But um, so I wrote the general thing. And then the guy who I was performing it with, who was co-writing it with me, he has more of the kind of spitball ideas off the top of his head kind of guy. So after I had written the whole frame, we w- talked through it and he we both kind of added jokes into it and little bits and stuff. And uh, these guys are just two nerds waiting in line forever. And so things just go on with them and the ridiculousness. And I try to have a little bit of an arc because I remember that being important to a story. You know, like, do they grow? Do they change? Does something happen? But also in the style of Waiting for Godot, which was very absurdist, not nothing really does happen and nothing changes. And so it's like futility of life kind of thing. Right, so, that's kind of the joke. Yeah, exactly. They're waiting around for nothing. <laughs> They're waiting around for their deaths. So basically all I had was at the end, those guys – do come together as almost friends, even though they hate each other the whole time. But then towards the end, they kind of bond in their helplessness. So that was kind of like the whole point, but it was also just ridiculous and silly and fun and nerd jokes left and right. And so it was right. What, you know, exactly. It was like we, we wrote our yeah, fandoms. That's what, right. What, you know, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then I did take a play script analysis class, which was one of the heavier classes. You had to read a lot of shows. You had to read a lot of papers. You had to do a final analysis on a show of your choice. Um, But it was, that was a thick one. That was one of those like upper, upper classroom kind of classes that you dreaded. It was like that in theater history, probably very academic portion of it. Yeah. For sure. Very academic classes with very little practicum, very little acting, very little performing. Yeah. The most I did of that was in, I did the Shakespeare study abroad thing just over the summer and they had us pick a, a, I think a sonnet and a play that we had to then dig deep into a certain scene in the play and then do the whole sonnet line by line. What does this mean? What does the research say? We got to go to the Stratford library to pick out old interpretations of these things and read them and stuff really useful for my everyday life, you know, but, uh, it was fascinating and interesting being in the Stratford library and looking at an old book, talking about an even older poem, but um, yeah, that's pretty much. And then I did acting, some acting classes in college, which sound like they just touched the tip of the iceberg of what you guys went into with that whole course. I mean, maybe, but we did even our acting classes. There was acting one, which almost doesn't count because there's as many non-majors as majors. in there. Uh, Yeah. Uh, then there's acting two and three, which didn't have to be taken in that order. But acting two was like like advanced something, but acting three was methods. Uh-huh. And so you talked about all the different acting methods and did little exercises with them. And the whole point was like discover the one that you liked. But that was that class was very tough for me because the ones I didn't get, I didn't get hard. And we would spend like a week on them or two weeks on them. And I'd be like, God, I don't get this. <laughs> and we'd finally get to one that I understood. I'd be like, oh, thank God. And then we'd be gone again. We'd be on to some other stupid thing I hated. Oh, that totally makes sense because I just heard a podcast with Anson Mount, the guy who plays Captain Pike in the new uh, Strange New yeah. World series. And he was in Hell on Wheels and stuff like that. I think he's a great actor. And he was talking to um, Beverly Crusher. I'm forgetting her name now. Because she has her own podcast now. She talks to all the different Star Trek actors. But he was saying they both got their acting, the most acting juice out of clown classes and clowning. Um, and it's probably the very classic French art of clowning, which is it gets you in touch with your inner clown and how you interact with yeah. the audience. 
And he's like, that's informed my, all of my acting going forward, serious and non-serious. Like it, it helped me so much. And he, but he acknowledged that it's not for everybody. And some people really identify with the method acting and, but for him, it was clowning. I'm like, clowning. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> it's just, it seems like a lot. But I never took a clowning class. Was I even available at your school in the theater major? Um, I think there was. Anna, was there clowning? I feel like that was one of those ones that George taught every other year. Or maybe as part of stage movement. There was a stage movement class that involved both juggling and some clowning. There may have been a clowning class. Okay. Yeah, it really gets deep into like your mask and all this kind of metaphorical stuff. And I'm like, geez, I didn't know which one went into it, but not for me. For you, just making silly faces and then making oversized reactions when people fart. <laughs> there you go. I like more of the very standard British approach, like Patrick Stewart and Bill Nighy have talked about how it's just like, I read the words that I was given in the way in which they wish me to read them. <laughs> I'm like, perfect. That's what I like. <laughs> uh, I mean, David Mamet. I think I gave you, I may have sent you this book, wrote a book called uh, True and False that's more so about being a playwright. Than yep, I can actor, see it right he, there. But he, but he does talk about acting in it. And in it, he's basically just outlines like, your job as the actor <laughs> is to say the lines I wrote the way I wrote them with an inflection appropriate to the thing you're reading. <laughs> that's it. You shouldn't have to interpret my words. If you have to interpret my words, I haven't written them well enough. And I chose my words. I like that. But like, man, it's very, very clear where an actor's position is, which is like a farm animal. <laughs> <laughs> One trick pony. Do the trick. Do it. <laughs> well, I like that. Should we, should we roll another topic? Yeah, let's roll another topic. All right. Here we go. You're doing big again? Well, you can do big this time. I'll do small. All right. Big. Nine. All right. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ooh. Science fiction and fantasy literature. Ooh. So here's a little die. Here's a little die. Six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Space opera, galactic adventures, and intergalactic politics. Well, I could jump right in here, and it's kind of cheating because I don't read a lot anymore, unfortunately, because I read more for my career than I do for fun. But what fits right into this, the space opera, galactic adventures, intergalactic politics, is The Expanse, which was a book series, but I'm only watching the TV show. <laughs> but you haven't read it. So no, I have not read it. actually talking about literature. Got it. <laughs> no. Got it. <laughs> but, but it was a book series first. And the series is fantastic, and boy, does it have intergalactic politics. I find it to be basically Game of Thrones in space in the future. Um, it's so much political intrigue among these factions. You have the Earthers. You have the Mars colony, uh, which is a huge colony now, um, and they're more militaristic, and they've been they're trying to separate themselves from Earth as their own entity. And then you have the Belters, which is everybody who lives throughout space in like the asteroid belts and stuff. And they've been in space so long that they can't really handle gravity and full oxygen very well anymore. And they're all very skinny because of the lack of um, gravity. So belters are always, everyone who's cast in the show is a belter is like very lithe and skinny and moves and talks fast with a weird accent. And then the earthers are bigger and strong or not. The uh, Mars people are bigger and stronger. because there's like a heavier gravity there, I think. I mean, I'm wrong. But anyways, it just they, they, they separate them very well and they all have to work together because they're discovering other threats from outside, perhaps. And it's just it's, it's a lot of fun. But have you read much in the way of space operas? 
So I've read, I do read a lot of sci-fi and a lot of it is centered in space. I'm reading a few right now. They're like aliens and I read Martian and I read, I'm, I'm back on a commute now. So I'm listening oh, to audiobooks left and right. Yeah. And I just started one called, I think it's called I am Bob. Oh, I've heard of that. About, about this man who gets forced to become an AI. Oh. <laughs> um, and that's interesting. But while I do read a lot of those sort of books, I'm not, I don't read a lot of big political space dramas. Right. That's a the lot of commitment. The closest I have come is Game of Thrones. I have not done that in that genre yet. I feel like they're usually going to be like 10 book series and it's a lot of commitment for anybody right. our age. Like what if I like them and I'm doomed? <laughs> It sounds like you're picking a lot of one-off books, which is hard to find these days, especially. In the- I've been listening to some Stephen King, um, mm. yeah, one-off books. I just got through Project Hail Mary. Uh, I just got through Stephen King's Fairy Tale. Been hearing about those. Um, I picked up Tommy Knockers, which I wasn't quite digging, so I switched over to the Bob one. And these are all audiobook forms. These are all audiobooks because I'm Still listening counts. to them on my commute in. And then every day at lunch, instead of having lunch, I'm having a granola bar and mall walking. That's awesome. Three and a half miles. Jeez. And so I have it on for that. So I'm getting another hour of listening there. So on average, I'm listening to like two hours and change of audiobooks daily. That's awesome. You get through them pretty quickly so that way. I'm going through. Yeah. Even the long ones are like 40 hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? So I'm like, oh, 20 work. So a month of work days. Okay. The longest audiobook I've recorded is, I think, 22 hours. And it was that long ass um history of china that i did <laughs> where stephen king still knocked it out of the water with his like thousand page books <laughs> man you did the shit out of that china book oh it was it was something <laughs> i'm glad it's over but yeah and when i was young when i was reading like a fiend i didn't do much sci-fi i did much more fantasy and pretty much the only sci-fi i read when i was a kid was when you gave me ender's shadow and i read that and that's kind of a big intergalactic politics space opera kind of series for sure. Oh yeah. And the, 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 and that's the only thing I can think of that kind of fits that, but most of it doesn't take place in space, which is the Ender's shadow series, mm-hmm. which takes place on like the political aftermath on earth after the events of Ender's game. That makes sense. So it's a lot of like what the new alliances become and how the earth changes and how the geopolitical structure changes there. And so that kind of fits. Yeah, but I think once it again, fits. doesn't actually it doesn't take place in space, really. Right. So <laughs> Well, that I was think a good uh, one. yeah, it's good, good, good little mini topics. I like it a lot. But uh I think that takes us to some radical recommends. Recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. Uh, well, this week, I'm going to recommend another Pittsburgh local thing. That might be my new thing. Pittsburgh recommends. Nice. <laughs> I'm going to recommend, <laughs> not even in Pittsburgh, Monroeville. I'm going to endorse Monroeville Messenger Service. So you hear people tell horror stories about getting licenses, getting their vehicles registered, getting inspections. And I'm happy to say Ann and I have had a great time of it. I already talked about the DMV. This has been Roville Messenger Service. So what Pennsylvania does is they let independent businesses certify people to do vehicle number inspections and sign off on them so that they that you don't have to go to a DMV center to do it. So we found one of these services out in Roville who for a moderate fee 
is certified, does a certification, does all the paperwork, and you leave with a license plate. So it's like yeah, outsourcing to like a yeah third party. And so, you know, we spent 20 minutes getting our licenses. We were prepared for this to be terrible. We went. We had to sign in. We had to wait for one guy ahead of us. Went inside. We're there for 15 minutes. Real nice lady. Took all of our information, filled out a thing, handed us a license plate. Nice. And we were out of there in 15 minutes. This is all just going so well for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so my recommendation is Monroeville Messenger Service for your car transfer and other notary needs. They are quick, they are convenient, and they love walk-ins. So go see them in Monroeville, Pennsylvania. Yeah, you live out of the country, just fly in, go to this place, just to, to check it out. Sean Vanderloo, if you ever need anything notarized in the United States, I don't even know if notarizing is a thing in, in Canada. Let us know. I will recommend Monroeville Messenger Service. That's hilarious. All right. Well, now we're moving on to some trailer reviews. Whoops. <laughs> That's not the right one. <laughs> uh, it's all working out. All right, so today's pick for trailer reviews, it's in kind of a, we're in a desert of trailers at the moment. Not that great. We Um, are. But I found this movie that at least somewhat fits in the sci-fi fantasy category, which is Hypnotic. And appears to be a Robert Rodriguez film. The guy brought us Desperado and other fun action flicks uh, with Ben Affleck starring in Hypnotic, which is all about, uh, seems to be a police officer who loses his uh, daughter um, and then he is brought into this mystery of a bank robbery that seems to be done by this guy who can hypnotize people to do whatever he wants, like on the fly. Um, there's some kind of broader conspiracy. You see a lot of, um, what was that movie about the dreams? Um, Inception, Inception stuff. Yeah. So what do you think of the trailer, Steve? Um, I didn't know what to make of it. And I can already tell you the big reveal is that it's going to be that he doesn't have a daughter tell you right uh, now i can tell you right now watch this trailer there is no daughter i think it's more that he he uh lost his daughter and went insane and none of this is happening maybe the idea of somebody having like this hypnotics power thing was really just form of telepathy like it's been done before mm-hmm. i'll be interested to see if they can pull off some sort of new angle that hasn't been done a billion times at this point. The fact that it's Ben Affleck is kind of interesting and confusing. It seemed to have good action sequences, too, because Robert Rodriguez is known for his action. So that's kind of making it a little more exciting, too. Um, So I don't I think I need to see more. Like, I don't know what to make of this. Yeah, there's a lot of mixed mixed stuff here. The fact of when the time of year this is coming out. It's bad. It's kind of like they're, <laughs> kind of like they're throwing it away right before yeah. the summertime. Um, I told Stephen earlier, but it was weird that it's, it's apparently already out like May 12th. It came out at least. And it looks like a huge budget. If you watch the trailer, like a lot of effects, Ben Affleck starring Rodriguez is a bigger director and I've heard nothing about this. (laughs) So that's not a good sign either. They're kind of just throwing it under the rug. So uh, watch with your own, uh, you know, discretion. (laughs) Uh, so I'm going to give this one Gary Busey, uh, Staring in the mirror, trying to hypnotize himself. <laughs> and Rule Rolls just staying in the doorway and he goes, again, and then walks out to the living room. Um, I'm going to give this one Raul Julia wearing a wife beater, drinking a beer, and biting on his own tongue, being like, 
and Gary Busey says, it worked. I hypnotized him to be just like me. <laughs> That's right. He finally did it. He finally drove her all nuts. He rolled completely insane. Just insane. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this very special episode, episode 172 of A Play on Nerds. That's right. Next week, or next time, in honor of Transformers Rise of the Beasts, <laughs> we are going to be talking about another classic film. That's right. It was at the tip of your tongue. We're going to be talking about Beastmaster. Yeah. Before there were robot beasts, there was the Beastmaster. There was the Beastmaster to tame them all, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> come on back for that and be our nerdy audience. We will come on back for that and be your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Feel free to email feedback at aplayonnerds.com with all your questions or comments. Shoot us a message on Facebook or Twitter and earn yourself a sweet shout out on the show. Review us on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts so even more nerds can find us. Tell your friends, tell your enemies, we aren't picky. Check out our entire back catalog and other offerings at aplayonnerds.com. And how? How?